Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your co-host today, Kamiar Moravian, joined by my awesome co-host, Stephen Brown. It is wonderful on a Wednesday afternoon. It's sunny, dude. It's like warm. The sky's blue. How's life, man? I'm feeling great. Yeah, it's good. I just had a little drink outside um, before I got here. Unfortunately, uh, I guess a lot of bars don't open until four o'clock. So that's that's kind of a bummer. We're recording this at like 430. So we had to leave a little bit early, but it is gorgeous outside. Yeah, uh, it's my fiance's birthday, so we're going to go to like a patio somewhere and get some drinks and stuff like that. So it'll be a good time, man. I'm definitely into this weather and it's like, you know, it's just a good time. It, the sun's coming out. It's It stays lighter than five o'clock, which is depressing in its own self when the winter comes around. Because I hate, dude, how do you feel about cold weather? I freaking hate it. I can't stand it. I like cold weather. Why? Because I'm just a warm person. So, like, the colder it is, I just won't sweat. I freaking hate. I'd rather it be. This is how, how kind of, like, messed up my thinking is. I would rather be in, like, remember that one summer Oklahoma had, like, a 100-degree heat bubble for basically, like, 45 days, two months straight? Which is basically every summer. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a nightmare. <laughs> I how would rather. Was that? Was that, uh... that was about. 2009 2010 2009 somewhere around there i'd rather do that than winter anytime i cannot stand the cold i can't stand in any like no i'd rather just wear shorts and a t-shirt not several coats i'm cool with the coats yeah i hate the coats but we got a lot to talk about talking about some basketball long kruger is now gone you will or will not be missed uh we'll talk about that talking about Other guys leaving the team, Uh, not just coaches, but other players that are either declaring early, maybe looking to transfer, talking about some football camp, and then got a positional breakdown from the defensive line. Oklahoma's actually developing depth, so that's actually a good thing this time instead of the previous years where it was kind of scary and terrifying. So let's get to talking about basketball. Long Kruger, he's retiring. He's out. His, uh, His family, you know, Bought, they bought a house in uh, Las Vegas earlier this year. Their son, Kevin Kruger, teaches or teaches yet yeah, coaches at UNLV, just like Lon coached at UNLV. How do you feel like Lon Kruger's legacy will be viewed at OU? 
Um, I think mostly it will be a pretty good legacy. Obviously, the the end of his career wasn't wasn't so great, but um, you know where he had to pick up, like where the pieces left off. Essentially, um, he did a good job building this program up to um, a job that you know maybe it's not the the best job, like a top ten job in college basketball, but um, top twenty five, of course. Oh, he's probably up there now. You know, it's interesting how far the team was. Like, remember after Capel, who who was even on the team? The, the, I remember the first time Oklahoma went back to the I tournament under Long Kruger. Yeah, exactly. Because like, yeah, the tiny gallon stuff, you know, the Willie Warren stuff, and I've got some like really, really like, I know dudes that were on the coaching staff from the Capel era that were transitioning from Samson to Capel and some of the things that they said about tiny gallon and Willie Warren and getting those dudes to go to class are just unbelievable. And you look at the end of the Capel era into the long Kruger era and long Kruger was, you know, he dealt a, a, sh- a shitty hand. Let's be honest. And they finally make it to the tournament with remember, remember this name, Romero Osby. Ooh. That's a tough one, right? <laughs> that was a minute ago. And Romero Osby was their first like player that was actually okay since basically the Kelvin Sampson era, Blake Griffin, I suppose. They got tossed in the first round by San Diego State, who I think had Kawhi Leonard at the time. And yeah, that was that was the beginning of the Long Kruger era officially making that next team to the NCAA tournament. And you know, yeah, I think he'll be missed in some capacity by being exceptionally average by taking the team to the tournament. I think that's really the bottom line for a lot of Sooners fans. I think a lot of Sooners fans don't really care about, you know, if the Oklahoma basketball team was a national championship, everybody will be very, you know, really, really happy. But I don't think realistically many Oklahoma fans expect a final four contender every year since it's a football school, but I could be wrong. I digress maybe to that, but I think, you know, he, he left a mark on OU just by being competitive yearly, despite, you know, the, the classic Long Kruger drought of offense, not calling timeouts, and really just recruiting-wise, not going to Dallas, Houston, metro areas and recruiting guys from suburban towns or just rural towns in Oklahoma that aren't athletic as all at all. It's not at all a shot at Brady Manick, but I'm saying Oklahoma needs to get more athletes. But, you know, Long Kruger did some good things for OU. He cleaned up the mess and really put them on the right track. And that's that's all you could ask for uh, and more because Buddy Heald and those dudes took them to a Final Four. Now, what do you want to see in a new coach at OU? Because you've got names that are rumoring uh, smoke. There's smoke coming from names. Uh, names rumored to be in contention like Eduardo Nahara, you know, who is being apparently bankrolled by some sort of millionaire looking guy. That's kind of cool in itself. Qantas White slash Kellen Sampson, guys that are running the Houston program under Kelvin Sampson right now. It would make sense considering how much love has been shown between all of OU's athletic staff uh, for the Houston Cougars. You got Grant McCasland at UNT, which would be really intriguing because Mo Gibson just came there. Like you've heard names like Mark Turgeon, who came out today, was like, I don't want to coach in the Midwest, even though he coached at AM. And you've got uh, John Beeline's been a name. Uh, who, who, like, who, what do you want in a new head best basketball coach? Well, you know, I'm not the, not the biggest uh, basketball guy yeah, right. out there. So I'll skip the X's and O's. I'll let you, I'll let you deal with that. But um, as far as a coach, 
I think what OU would need was someone that is uh, a little more vocal, someone who wants to be in front of that camera, that can get people excited about going to a basketball game, about putting money into this program to improve the program, facilities. Um, obviously, the Lloyd Noble Center, we'll see what happens with that. It's probably going to stick around for a few more years. Um, but someone that can, can really energize the program, um, whereas Lon Kruger was more of a stability uh, piece. I agree with that. I, I hate the LNC. It needs so many updates. It's ancient. It's not even on campus. You have to like drive away from campus to go to, I, I get the premise and how like good of an idea it is to have a lot of extra parking because OU's campus is so compact, but play on campus. Like McCaslin Fieldhouse. How would you feel like if they played games there? Would that be oh, acceptable? I- yeah, just put the, you know, throw a little, like, uh, some small renovations into it. It's perfectly fine for what OU needs. Right, because, like, inside right now, it's not a D1 college basketball arena, but just some simple updates, I think, it would make it really nice. And the, and the stands are actually pretty close to the floor, which would be a nice home advantage. And, you don't, of course, not that many people show up to the basketball games until the team's good. And so you would have a decent crowd or it would look like a decent crowd most nights because there's not clearly as many seats in McCaslin Fieldhouse as there are of course in Lloyd Noble but yeah I'm looking for a new coach that's I want a young coach I don't want an old guy like I'm not saying like lawn like oh you're old sucks ageism who cares but like you said a young guy that energizes the crowd a young guy that wants to be in front of the camera you know, because Lon Kruger, you know, he was nice, like you said, to set the record straight to get OU back on track, but he's not going to be your coach of the future. I mean, Kelvin Sampson was a younger guy when they when he got hired. Jeff Capel was just clearly obviously not ready and still apparently is not doing that well. I think at Pitt, in which used to be a really good job under Jamie Dixon, who's now at TCU and reviving that program just by recruiting athletes from the Dallas metro area. And that's all I really want. Go recruit those athletes from Dallas. Go recruit those athletes from North Texas. Uh, go from Houston, Louisiana area. Because, listen, like West Virginia, they never have a knockdown shooter like for like several for several years in a row. Like they usually have one random Australian guy who, for some reason, is really good at shooting threes. And yet, West Virginia consistently, and of course, with Bob Huggins coaching makes like a top four seed in the NCAA tournament because they have tons of athletes and they have tons of great body profiles and dudes that want to run. And so, yes, like, are you going to have really bad shooting nights? Sure. And our team's going to pack the pan against you. Yeah. But do you play an exciting brand of, of basketball where people run up and down the court and dunk the ball? Yes. You also do. Do you see Oklahoma do that under long Kruger? Hell no, you don't see that. That's why nobody shows up to the games. That's why people show up during Buddy Heald and that stuff because you see a lot of fast-paced ball, you see a lot of points scored, and you see a lot of dunks. That's why people love Blake Griffin so much as well. So, I mean, I'm cool with I'm cool with a lot of young coaches. I'm cool with Qantas White, definitely, or Eduardo Nahara, any of those dudes that want to go out and recruit and uh, build a program back up to something more than, okay, a second-round exit's acceptable. I want at least a sweet 16 team, two out of three years, two out of four years. I don't think that's asking too much, especially for an athletic institution like Oklahoma that really takes pride in what they do. But I mean, Sherry Cole also, she, uh, she stepped down. So that's (laughs) no longer stealing money from the university, which is good. Good on her. Good for Sherry. I wonder who's going to end up being that coach. 
You think Courtney Paris would uh she just was hired as um, you think she's ready to be a head coach? I don't know. I was actually thinking about, you know, in a former I'm OU, not too familiar with her her coaching well, background. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I couldn't even think of was it Ashley Paris? Was that the other twins' name? I think so. Yeah, see, I guess I was trying to remember the other day and I felt kind of bad because we all know Courtney was the better sister, but I was thinking about Mike Neal the other day because of course he is familiar with the program. He played basketball under Kelvin Sampson and he's been coaching the Norman high girls for the last three years. And they've been undefeated 41 and oh, they should have three straight Oklahoma state titles and six AA basketball. I wonder if that name, uh, that familiar name with that program would hire a guy like him, but I don't know the whole difference between going to high school from college, but who knows who knows, but Everybody's going to UNLV with Kevin Kruger, Crutchfield, and other dudes. I mean, just a bunch of assistant coaches. But also, you're looking at players. Kirk Weth has voiced his opinion first. during Even during the season, Kirk Weth said he was out. Austin Reeves is apparently rated 40th on the ESPN poll as far as how good of a basketball player you are in college. But not many teams are going to want you because you've spent four years in college and they're looking for 19 and 20 year olds and not 22, 23 year olds. Debbie and Harmon says he's going to the NBA, but of course at any time can withdraw that and transfer or just stay others to leave. Maybe Jalen Hill, who was a Las Vegas guy who, you know, Kevin Kruger was on staff at OU along with Lon Kruger. And they obviously are Las Vegas natives. So I wonder if Jalen Hill is a guy that's that may transfer out and looks like, OU may have a lot of, a lot of transfers to fill this next season and looks like they may be pretty bad. I mean, does that, <laughs> do you think people will notice, you know, cause not many um, people really watched. I doubt anyone notices. That's sad. To be honest with you. That makes me really sad, but I also get it. Like, like there's those diehard basketball fans that will, we'll follow this team till the end and, and they'll report on it. And I'll, I'll watch that and see how the team's doing, but we'll see. I want to see what happens two to three years. Like what do they build off of whatever's happening next season? What does that group look like? And do you feel like the thunder being an OKC has really like really, really affected oh, yeah. how people view this Sooners basketball team? Because like up in Stillwater, they still have a basketball <clears throat> culture because their football team's never really been, very very good consistently and eddie sutton had them rocking for a long time right and and so it's a little bit different especially because norman everybody in the metro is 10 minutes away from the peak rather than stillwater it's not like that and so i feel like the thunder really also really just put a damper on the lnc and the basketball community etc i think it's really interesting to see how that will play out Uh, i think oklahoma's basketball team next year is gonna be pretty bad uh, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, the Thunder have a better product at the moment. Um, they'll most likely always have a better product, uh, be an NBA team. Yeah, especially if they're um, just more exciting. Yeah, better facilities, better experience all around. Um, but as well as like, it's not just attention to the eyes. It's also the Thunder taking away money from basketball programs across the state because more people are going to go for like Thunder season tickets and not OU tickets. If that makes right. sense. Oh, I've been getting emails like crazy about yeah. p- purchasing partial season tickets for next season already. For OU? Uh, no, for OKC. Oh, so, okay. I mean, oh, he's not going to send that out. Even to like an alumni too. Like, why? Only like, it'll be like $5. <laughs> Seriously. 
Yeah, that's a pretty cheap investment. Like, I don't know. If you have nothing to do on a Tuesday night, like, oh, I guess we can go to Moy Noble. That's sad. But football camp, Riley says Rattlers getting his first real spring. Uh, that press conference was actually pretty interesting, or that Zoom conference, I guess you might say. What do you think Rattler, I mean, Rattler's going to his third year <coughs> OU? Because Rattler, it's kind of weird. He didn't. He didn't even finish his for his senior year of high school football because he got suspended for honor code stuff. He doesn't enroll early, and so he gets in in the in the summer, I believe, right? And he goes through that stuff with you know Jalen Hurts, and then the next year it's this year. It's it's the COVID year. Doesn't get a spring. Has like one day of spring practice, and then it's gone. And then in his third year at OU, is finally now getting his first real spring what's that what's that do for rattler and what's it do for the ceiling of the team i guess uh first off with rattler i think it really opens up the offense um i think they dialed it back a little bit just because you can see that learning curve going on um with such a young quarterback that really hasn't had that time in the system um i know he had his one year off but when you look at like uh like baker mayfield played a year went to ou sat a year um, so they really had time to take part in a college football uh, system, whereas Rattler, he's really getting his first offseason, um, first true offseason here. So I think it's going to really open up the offense as far as what he's able to, um, to like uh, break down the X's and O's a little bit better um, than he did last season. But also when you look at um, Rattler and the receivers, they really haven't had that much time to mesh. Um, and a lot of that timing, a lot of that chemistry is built in the offseason and during the spring, during the summer, those op, those uh, optional workouts, um, the 7v7s, whatever they do. A lot of that timing is built in that that little uh, time frame in the summer. So I think um, he'll get more guys involved. It's not going to just be like the Marvin Mim show like it was last season. So I think overall it does a little bit for Rattler, but it does more for the receivers. Yeah, and, and they said Rattler actually, you know, he got a little bit heavier. I think he's about 210, 215 now, which he did he look came, a little bit. He yeah. came into OU at what, 175, 180, somewhere, somewhere around there? He I was, think it was 185, 190, but you know, they kind of fib those numbers. Of course. And yeah, getting a real spring. And then springs where you see the jumps. I mean, you go, you see them work out like crazy in the winter and spring and spring ball. They're actually practicing, getting those reps in, getting, uh, like you said, getting that familiarity with your receivers and not having to worry about it in the summer. I mean, Jalen Hurts went and worked out with CeeDee Lamb this summer as soon as he got uh, yeah. to Norman from Alabama. So that's really, really important. And, and the pandemic really hampered that for most of the season for uh, for Spencer Rattler. So I think it's really big. I think he gets more in tune with the playbook and I gets, he gets more in tune with the receivers. And Caleb Williams is going to get more in tune with Drake Stoops because now all these receivers are here and Mario Williams is impressing at camp. Caleb Williams is going to get a, really familiar with Drake Stoops because they're, I feel like I think Drake's going to fall down on the depth chart a little bit. But OU's also been rotating. I found this really interesting. OU's been rotating at center a few guys. you got Chris Murray. We knew this. Uh, you've got Robert Conjol, the guy from Arizona, and Ian McIver. And no Andrew Rain. I thought was really intriguing. And you've got Tyrese Robinson experimenting at right tackle being kicked out over to right because you have Andrew Rain, which I I know is like really, really competitive on the interior of the line. You've got a really, really great interior of the line for OU. And so what do you think about this offensive line? Is it 
possibly the best in the Big 12? Is it competitive enough to win you a national title? What is that? What is that ceiling for them? Well, I think if uh, Chris Murray wins out the job and then you move uh, whatever they want to do with Tyrese Robinson, as long as you get uh, Andrew Raymond there as guard, he was a backup to Hayes last season. That's a pretty competitive offensive line in, in the middle. Um, and not that they were too too terrible last season. And obviously, they came in heavy, out of shape, um, had trouble moving around, had trouble sticking with blocks. Um, but that's a lot of talent on the, 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 the interior of the offensive line. And then you have those tackles coming in. So I think it's going to be one of the stronger groups in the Big 12. We'll see how they kind of shape up um, nationally. But I think it's, you know, you're looking, comparing this group to 2018. They're not there yet, um, but they're working towards. So um, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive group. Do you feel like this is probably the most devastating interior offensive line OU has had? in a like and i guess in the beat and bow era considering <clears throat> creed humphrey was a senior the year that all the other guys were really upperclassmen like this yeah year, you've got you know you've got chris murray possibly most likely taking over at center but you also still have feels like marquise hayes and tyrus robinson have been in oe for forever and then you add dudes like andrew rame to the fray who's more than capable of doing great things on the interior like that's a really good interior to have especially you know for oklahoma's standards it's definitely kind of leaning towards the more of the the ben powers look where they were just cody ford ben powers where they're just two mean dudes at guards um obviously we've seen what hayes does um but from all accounts andrew rame um you know off the field apparently a pretty nice guy on the field talking to coaches and at his high school he just wants to be there to kick your ass. So yeah. um, I don't think Tyrese Robinson, you know, shares that mentality too much. Um, so if they, those are your two guards, this is going to be more than more, uh, I guess, devastating offensive guards you've, you've had in a while. And Andrew Rame is, he's really, really intelligent. And the best, the smartest yeah. players will always find the field. That's just proven fact. And so like him com- being able to combine all those attributes to his game, Andrew Rain, if he doesn't start this year, he's going to be a namestay in on the offensive line for the next three years. He's really, really good. I'm expecting big things out of him before he finishes his, I guess, his degree at OU. But somebody that's already made a name for themselves, Marvin Mims. I mean, like, he made all the big plays last year, right? He was the guy that consistently stepped up. And I guess my question is, is he wide receiver one going into next year or is he, will he be the wide receiver one coming into this year after it's finished? Or is he going to be a guy that we all know is uber talented, but maybe <clears throat> isn't necessarily the big play guy, but does finish with the most yards. Kind of think of like Joaquin Iglesias uh, with Sam Bradford, <laughs> not the most explosive guy, but Mims has some pretty great catches, uh, but had a shit ton of yards. And but you had other guys that were actually a little bit better than Joaquin. What what does Marvin Mims do for you regarding all the other receivers on this team? Oh, Marvin Mims is absolutely going in number one wide receiver. Um, I think he has the most playmaking ability of the other guys. Obviously, big body is very talented. Man, I really um, like Trajan Bridges. I guess am I the only one that like is really high in Trajan Bridges besides Trajan Bridges? Uh, you might be in a category of your own. Okay, I think there, there's a small group out there. But uh, I think a lot of people have started to write these 2019 receivers off just because they haven't done as much as uh, 
what people expected being three five stars returning or coming right. into the first season. Um, but yeah, Marvin Mims, I think he's the more versatile player in that group. Um, you can play him inside, outside. Um, obviously, he's got the speed. Um, the other guys really, they're fast, but not, they're not, you know, they're not blazers by yeah. any means. They're not going to take the top off of defense. So I think Marvin Mims is absolutely the wide receiver one in this group. And Lincoln Riley said there are plenty of times after reflection, of course, on last season, he said there's plenty of times that they, he should have been on the field a little bit more and he made yeah. his competitive catches. I mean, just look at the go to the Bedlam game and see him catch that ball over his shoulder against, you know, what was thought to be a really great OSU defense before. Oh, you just went completely and murked him for over 40 points. You know, it's, it's, it's good stuff when you see young guys do that. And again, Marvin Mims, just like Seth McGowan, they didn't have springs they were still in their high school bodies so i'm very curious to see what he looks like after a winter and a spring with benny wiley and all those other dudes I almost said schmitty i don't know where is schmitty even at? is he at a&m now <laughs> he's still, still at a&m but you know i'm very curious to see what he looks like after a, a legit off-season program because uh, he's going to get faster he's going to get stronger and I'm, i wonder what that does for his game and Oklahoma finally has a date for the spring game. It's April 24th. It's not on a Friday night. No more Friday night lights because traffic was a bitch, even though it was a great situation. And of course there wasn't a pandemic happening at the time. Oklahoma didn't get one of these last year. Uh, they, they scheduled it out and then it was canceled like last second. It felt like, and they said 25% capacity, which honestly, if we think about it, if you've been to a spring game, that's pretty much what shows up anyways. I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah, you're about, you're about 50%. In the first quarter, and then it, it drops pretty significantly. Yeah. And it's on TV. I mean, you know, but I get if it's nice outside, sure, go. But for the last however many years, the spring game hasn't really had that best of weather. But, you know, if you were there, you know, you don't care about the spring game itself, right? The ones are only in there for about two series, and then you see all the backups. The real entertainment is halftime, you know? What, what would be some entertainment you'd be intrigued and actually <laughs> going to see? Oh man, we can't do the Oklahoma drill anymore. That's illegal. Yep. No, can't do so, that anymore. Got to write that off. Um, the shows. I think everyone's kind of over the shows too. Yeah. Would you? Would you pay to see, or would you be okay to see like Senior Citizen Dodgeball? I do like a Senior Citizen Beer Olympics. Mm, what kind of events would you host? Oh man, we got to start off with a dizzy bat where you got to chug a beer and then do the spins and see how many, like, was it five spins or something like that? Yeah. But I, I think a lot of like, I'm not trying to be ageist, but like a lot of old people, they have like a, a fear of falling down and not getting, like, do they have their life alerts on? <laughs> how old are these people? <laughs> I, I, I don't I said, uh, I don't know. What else? You could uh, semi-pro. You could set a bear loose and just see what happens. Little Jackie Moon. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jackie Moon would be a great promoter for the OU spring game. I'd show up <laughs> that spring game all the time. They do need to make a character for the spring game and only bring him out for the spring game. What else could you do? That would be mildly entertaining. Um, you could put a little punching booth and you punch Toby Keith in the face. You know, if... Dave Chappelle, and I, I know this is like not where I'm going, but it's where I'm going. Dave Chappelle has the racial draft. When I'm talking about just drafting or trading uh, people, I would trade Toby Keith, who is not even a graduate, I don't think of college in general, 
but I would trade Toby Keith and his OU fandom for Garth Brooks. Like easy, 100%. Garth Brooks is pretty cool. Even if Garth Brooks graduated, because Garth Brooks did graduate from OSU, even with his OSU degree, I would still accept Garth Brooks 10 out of 10 times over Toby (laughs) Keith. Always. Oh yeah, he's got better music. He's got better music too. Just love it. I just love what if it. You just pass a microphone around the stadium and try to have like uh, <laughs> you look for the most redneck people and try to have them like pronounce like Nathan Rollins Kabangye. Mm. That'd be fun to get or the David crowd boo. Yeah. Oh gosh. Who? David Boo. Who was who was on the call for the Bedlam game that could not say David Igwebu's name oh, right yes. at all? David Ugabagu. Yeah, that was great. That was good stuff. And something that was that happened new today that is completely unrelated from David Aguebu, which his name is actually fun to spell for me. I don't know about you, but I like spelling his name. It makes me feel smart. But Chad Morris, who, of course, uh, is a former coach for Arkansas that was uh, disgraced immediately after that season, <laughs> is now the head coach at Allen High School in Texas, which is like the largest football institution high school-wise, really, for uh, in uh, in the United States. Their stadium rivals most college football stadiums. And so, of course, where Kyler Murray went to school and both uh, Bobby Evans and Tay Evans and a ton of great other – a ton of great Theo football players. Weiss, yeah, a ton of great football players. DJ and Doma Ogar. Chad Morris is now the high school football coach for Allen High School. Um does that change anything with Lincoln Riley <laughs> not letting Chandler Morris out of that transfer rule considering? Cause for me, it's this, it's not a singular high school issue. It's like, Oh, Oh, he's not getting any more recruits out of uh, Allen high school. It's those coaches in Texas, high school football all get together and they all talk and they all have like relationships. And if they see like something like this happen, they don't take it too kindly. I mean, there's a reason why OU has been unsuccessful in a lot of schools for a long time. It's not a singular school issue, but what's your take on it? Is it a, is it a deal? Um, is it not a deal? It's kind of a deal. It's kind of a deal because Lincoln puts so much emphasis on recruiting um, that he's going to be willing to bend the rules. That way he's not going to have to go over any sort of hurdles, especially in his own backyard, which, which would be the Dallas area where they recruit pretty heavily. Um, so I think it does change a little bit with Chandler Morris. How soon before you think he's like, ah, never mind. I woke up, I woke up and it was nice out today. I think I'll release Chandler Morris. You know, you give it over, I want to say over three weeks. (laughs) I think he's already has his mind made up, but I think he's going to wait a little bit because he's a little bit more calculated than just be like, okay, he's eligible. Yeah, probably wouldn't um, have a knee-jerk reaction there, right? So I'll go uh, – yeah, that'll that'll uh, be telltale sign. <laughs> but uh, I'll go over three weeks. Okay, that seems that seems about right. Right about time after spring practice is over. Like, ah, summer's here. Enjoy your summer, kid. Have fun in TCU and Fort Worth where there's nothing. Kind of not really. I mean, Fort Worth in comparison to Norman. Would you rather be in Fort Worth in, or Norman in the summer? Fort Worth. Yeah, especially on TCU's campus. Yeah. Have you been to TCU's campus? Uh, I think I have once. It's pretty nice. Lots of nice place people. they got. Nice, nice looking people. Nice ladies they got there. You know, like if you do a study breakdown of just schools in general, uh, like 
most people going to college are women and TCU is like 70% women. Oof. Mm-hmm. It's a private went school. to the wrong school. Yeah. One of the wrong going to the wrong school. I almost went to Abilene though, which is kind of really, yeah. It's a Christian school with the color yeah. purple. That's an interesting school. They're like one of the best schools in like that second division or whatever they are at, right? Aren't they? Oh, yeah. They put a couple of people in the NFL. And of course, you know, they played pretty well in the NCAA tournament. Have they? They beat. Oh, they beat Texas. That's yeah, right. They beat Texas. I need to go dig out my uh, my Abilene shirt they gave me when they were recruiting me. Oh, you should, you to go to should school. have. You should have. But anyways, well, we're going to go ahead for, for a break for our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a positional breakdown for the defensive line for OU. OU is finally developing depth, which is fantastic. Talking about, you know, what's unacceptable for the Sooners this year going into the season and any, you know, talking about All-Americans as well. So we'll hit you guys right back after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right, Steven. So let's talk about the defensive line. Oklahoma has seems like they have a legit three deep at most positions here like at the rush edge, uh, nose, defensive tackle, and then, of course, on end. Uh, let's talk about the rush edge first. I mean, you've got Nick Benito, of course, going to be that starter. That dude killed PFF ratings, even though I don't know how many he people... was PFF for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know how reliable those are for I mean, like Trey Brown killed it in PFF. And I'm not saying bad things about Trey Brown, but I'm saying like, I don't know if I'd rather be the leader in PFF all the time. And of course, it makes you all that looks really great. But I don't know how reliable those numbers are. But Benito was killing it. Pressures, sacks, all the other stuff. I mean, he was just in the backfield constantly. But who's who else behind him are you really trusting here? I mean, you've got Marcus Stripling, who apparently is now no longer a defensive end. He's now a rush edge. Clayton Smith coming in with the high pedigree, will jump out the gym athleticism. <clears throat> I mean, is there anybody else I'm missing? And what do you guys what do you think about these guys? For that, you know, I think the most interesting story is Marcus Stripling because um, on paper he doesn't really seem like a rush edge. I know. Alex Grinch kind of hinted or said that he had kind of maxed out his uh, his body weight potential as a, as a player, so he fits more in that rush edge. Uh, but I don't know if he has the speed or the handwork. I haven't really seen it from him in the past. Um, so we'll see if they keep him at rush edge or maybe just try to play him as a maybe like a little bit of an undersized defensive end. Yeah, I, I noticed Stripling last year. He did look a lot leaner than I thought he was he going the, to be. Uh, the play is in Kansas. But yeah, he uh, he looked way leaner than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. And I thought maybe, you know, he could play kind of like an oboe thing because, you know, oboe was big. Oboe was he, right. He was very thick, kind of like stripling is at that position. He's not a defensive end. He's not necessarily a li- like a linebacker linebacker. Uh, Benito is smaller than oboe, uh, but he's, of course, much larger than Eric Stryker. And that's no discredit Eric Stryker and what he did at that position tell me about Clayton Smith though because he's a guy that highly touted 
Uh, he got him out of te- Texas high school. Uh, his, you know, the right out of the Longhorns backyard that typically he usually in, in any other year might've gone to Texas. And he's a guy that I think, and you said this before we started recording that may get some looks before stripling at that rush edge, rush, bleh, rush edge. Position. <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, just the hype coming out of for Smith um, coming out of this camp was just, it's just on the same level as what, uh, what uh, Ronnie Perkins had as a player. Like this guy's different, um, you know, physically he's just like a very imposing guy. Now he's not his body weight. He's still pretty trim. I think he's like 220 or 225 on the recent uh, depth chart. But mm-hmm. um, once he starts filling out, I mean, they have a legit, legit uh, pass rusher on their hands as a guy that, that's most likely has an NFL future. So um, I tend to think that, you know, they're going to give Stripling a look. If it, you know, at first glance, it's not going to work out. I think they're definitely going to give a nod to Clayton Smith right away. Whatever happened to Joseph Wete? Joseph Wete, I believe, is now an inside linebacker. Is he? he I, just I think he, so. He was so skinny when he came in. Like, he looked, like, thin, thin when he came into OU. And I know he put on <clears> a lot of weight. And what – did? Wasn't he a teammate of Gilliam? Am I getting that wrong? Wete was a teammate. Oh, he was a teammate of Caleb Williams. He's from the D- yeah. That's right. That's, that's Or he's from the place. DMV area. So um, I think he's on the inside. He's a guy that kind of like Isaiah Thomas is a little bit more like a basketball player. Mm. Um, when he first arrives, they're kind of working on developing his body, but they kind of see him as an inside linebacker now. Okay. That's interesting. And we can go over to nose tackle. I mean, of course, Perry and Winfrey. I mean, goodness. Before last season started, we all talked about, you know, Winfrey just needs to be okay, and this defensive line may be pretty okay. And Winfrey comes in and it just completely (laughs) tears everybody apart and is more than what most Sooner fans expected him to be. Uh, I mean, like earning like All-American honors for the Big 12 and all that other stuff. And, man, he he can really put on a show this year, especially with another offseason training with like legit guys instead of being at the JUCO ranks. And of course, you have guys like Corey Roberson, who's, you know, I'm not very high on Corey Roberson or Jordan Kelly. Maybe you are. Um, they're guys that are good. They're, I think they're Jags, just another guys, but that are putting on good weight, uh, going to get consistently do good things, but aren't going to blow into the backfield and require double teams to triple teams that Perry and Winfrey do. Like, tell me about nose tackle, because we all know what Perry and Winfrey brings. But what about the other guys? I'm pretty excited to see what Roberson can do. Um, He's a guy out of high school that was very, very promising um, until he, I think he had the ACL injury or a lower leg injury, something like that, um, that kind of hampered his senior season. But he's a guy that really also hasn't had a great uh, or hasn't had a true look at an offseason. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see how he fits in the system. I think he could be a very good player for OU. His nickname Jordan is Kelly. like the little bull, the little bull. Yeah, yeah. He's, he looks like a guy that you'd see at like a maybe an Auburn Mm. Um, those kind of like uh, defensive linemen. So uh, Jordan Kelly, I think, you know, what you're going to get out of Jordan Kelly. I don't think he's going to really take a huge step forward. He might find, you know, a, a, a small step forward here or there, but uh, I think as far as Jordan Kelly, he's a good player. I don't think he's going to be that elite guy that Perry on Winfrey is. Man, I expected so much more from Jordan Kelly last year. I was, I was like, I was disappointed. And so I hope he takes that leap coming into this year. Cause I like what Alex Grinch said uh, a couple weeks ago 
about how dudes would just be like waiting their turn, waiting their time. If I stay at OU long enough, I'll get to start by the time I'm a junior and I'm a senior or a senior. And I really like the fact that he mentioned talking about just like getting that idea out of their brains, because that's what Mike Stoops cultivated while he was at OU. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, dudes like Charles Walker and uh, Casey, Casey Walker, not Charles Walker. Like they just stay on staff or stay, stay on the team or who was it else that just stayed for a long time? Oh. <laughs> Matt Romar. Romar stayed for a long time. He was there for like eight years. Was it Torrey Peterson? Yeah. He was there for a long time. It was like dudes that just. Matt Diamond felt like he was there forever. <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad that Gridge is kind of getting that out because I mean, they're getting the most out of what they can have and getting this idea like, Hey, yo, you're not just going to like work out for two years and then expect to play. You have to consistently meet this level. And if you're not there, you might need a transfer, which of course, that's why you saw a ton of transfers out of the last couple of years, which is very delightful to see if, of course, if they're not going to a higher level, like, you know, the NFL, uh, I feel like the next two positions tackle and end are really hard to forecast. I told, we talked about this pre pod. I was like, I don't know where to put dudes because of course, Ronnie Perkins isn't like that, that linchpin over at defensive end. He's not that name, that name stay there. That really makes, you know, like question who's going to be at tackle. And so, you know, defensive tackle, LaRon Stokes started there for most of the year last year until he got hurt. And then you had other dudes fill in, but now, of course, you don't have Ronnie Perkins. So defensive tackle, it could be Jalen Redmond, but also Jalen Redmond could be at defensive end because they filter in those guys so much more than any other position on the team. So who do you even have at defensive tackle? Because right now the goal is to get the <clears throat> best four guys on the field at the same time. I think at tackle, I think you immediately go to Ellison, um, at least okay. early on before you see, you try to work Jalen Redmond into a role a full time. Uh, but I don't think you're going to throw him in there game one and have him play the majority of those reps. And Red and Ellison had a great year last year. He was <laughs> an he was like an unsung hero. People yeah, Texas game really, had a pretty yeah, good game. Had a great year. What about but Isaiah yeah, Coe? Isaiah Coe, that's a guy that uh, not many people really talked about just because of the ways recruiting went down. Um, you remember he, he committed to OU, but no one really. <laughs> Dude, nobody no one really acknowledged it. I even had a story ready, and I was like, I'm not going to post mine if no one else is going to post anything. Yeah, because I remember Jack had me do a pre-write on Isaiah Co, and I was like, it's ready, but <laughs> nobody but Annie Hansen has said anything. Annie Hansen didn't even say anything. She just retweeted him, and nobody retweeted him. He was very uncomfortable. In like, the- not even like Thibodeau or anyone. Yeah. Like everybody was like, oh, does he know something's up? And then if the numbers work out, we won't have to tell him to decommit or anything. And so luckily the numbers worked out and he didn't have to commit and didn't have to have the awkward conversation. But it was definitely a surprise to the staff when that did happen. Of course, you don't want to burden those bridges because Isaiah Coe comes from the same uh, Juco as Perry and Winfrey. So you don't want to burden those bridges. Right. Um, But yeah, I think he can find a role for it. I'm not exactly sure what you know, what amount of snaps he's going to play. He could be pretty good. He could, you know, just be a Jag. Um, the thing that's really interesting is he was labeled as like a six, three, six, four defensive tackle um, interior lineman. OU's got him at six, one, uh, two ninety five. So not really the body type. <laughs> right. They're going for. I mean, because last, like you looked at the, you looked at how he was listed six, three, but then you saw a picture of him and Perry and Winfrey at Juco together. And Winfrey is clearly much larger than him. <laughs> it's easy to spot that immediately. So yeah, I, I could see where you'd say that. And, he might be a depth guy. 
and that's okay, right? I mean, if he's the third guy or the third or fourth guy in the shuffle, that's fine. That's what you kind of need. But if that's your depth guy, you're not, I mean, your depth's pretty good. And what about defensive end? I mean, Isaiah Thomas coming back for a year after rumors swirl that he may be going to the NFL. I'm glad he's coming back for a year because I think, and this is what my premise was last year, and I hope he proves me wrong. My premise last year was that he was just another guy. He was a Jag that was just playing at the ceiling of his ability pretty much the majority of the year, but also because you have Perry and Winfrey and Nick Benito just caving in the left side of every offensive line that they met. (laughs) And so he might've been a benefactor of that. And so hopefully his ceiling gets higher with another, you know, year under Alex Grinch and another year under, under Jamar Kane. Cause I really like what Jamar Kane's doing with those ends. And, you know, you've also got LaRon Stokes who played a significant amount of snaps, starting snaps on that defensive line last year as well. And then you mentioned Noah Renze and Marcus Hicks is back from injury. So this defensive end spot, along with the defensive tackle spot, cause all those dudes like, We've said previously, I mean, it's just like a bunch of athletic bodies that are like positionless, I guess, football um, that they're going to rotate so much. It won't really matter if we call them tackles or ends because they're going to rotate the same positions. But what about those other guys? I think uh, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I think there's still something more to Isaiah Thomas. Really? At least body wise. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, cause I remember when he came in, Mike Stoops was like, this is a guy that athletically is terrific. This is one of the most athletic, you know, defensive linemen we've recruited. Um, uh, the downside is he's so far away physically that it might be a while before we really see it. So he may have been right. Cause I think Isaiah Thomas, he, he was a pretty good player last year. Um, will he be like a Ronnie Perkins just take over the game? Uh, maybe not. But I think he, he's, def, he's definitely an uh, NFL prospect. And I think he's got a little bit more room to grow physically um, over this offseason. He's from Tulsa Memorial. So yes. one of he's like, he's a Tulsa kid, but he's not from any of the good Tulsa schools. Yes, he was in that class with, uh, oh, what was all the, the big uh, in-state guys? Like Levi Draper, I think was in that uh, yeah. class. Trey That's Brown, uh, Justin Broyles, all those guys. But uh, yeah, I think Laron Stokes, I kind of figured he would just be the, the second guy in that just because he's, he's older, more developed. Um, mm-hmm. He's been in the system. Um, he's fresh. But uh, I was just talking to some people and they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, you know, let's not forget about Noah Renze because he's apparently been having a pretty good camp as well. Um, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of look at Noah Renze as, as a guy that can compliment Isaiah Thomas there. Yeah, and I I like that. I I maybe they're they're meeting the challenge that Jamar Kane and Alex Grinch is posing to them. And and let me go retract back on Perry and Winfrey. He had glowing things to say about Calvin Thibodeau, and like he talked about how Calvin Thibodeau challenges them, and he re- really wants to rise to the occasion to you know meet Tibbs and how Tibbs has made him a much better player and a, a much better uh, student of the game regarding the small details. To everybody that's ever like talked crap about Calvin Thibodeau, just straight up f- you. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like I want to say that because I hit my beat button ready. Because Tibbs, Tibbs has always like he's had no, like why are we why were people griping about Tibbs? Um, you know, a lot of times when people gripe about a coach, um, 
because they're no don't give them info. They're not uh, not loose with the information. I just I just hate it. Like Tibbs, I I just don't get it. People are like one season of Tibbs. It's just because he came from KU, which by the way, Tibbs KU defensive lines wrecked OU's offensive lines when he was there. He had some really good dudes that he coached up. And so I'm finally glad that you're finally seeing his philosophy with Jamar Kane under an Alex Grinch defense really thrive and the players really like him. And of course they're very successful for a reason, but what about Grimes, Ethan Downs, who Ethan Downs is already in camp. He arrived early in Kelvin Gilliam, who's actually playing high school football right now. What about those guys? Cause Gilliam, Holy crap looks really, really good. Even <laughs> as a high school guy. Yeah. He looks like a college dude in high school right now. Have you seen He's the pictures? <laughs> so there's there's a lot of excitement there we'll see if he uh if he can get to campus i think in june see how well he picks up the system um kind of finds a role in that team i kind of suspect he'll be a four game guy mm. and then kind of have a breakout your next season grimes i think he really needs to nail down a position um for himself he's a guy that uh highly touted out of tennessee played some pretty good reps last season um but he's never had a true position as a football player um, I think his dad was the coach, his high school team played him, you know, defensive end, linebacker, running back, sometimes a wildcat, something like that. So um, I think this is a very important offseason for him to kind of nail down a role um, and then, you know, kind of build towards that future. Yeah, I, I mean, with this Alex Grinch defense and, you know, of course, all of his assistants, I don't think you're going to see any more Ricky DeBerry's, right? No, I don't think I don't think Grimes is a Ricky DeBerry. I think he's just more he hasn't settled down into a position yet. He's got the plenty of ability. Yeah, and and I'm I'm excited to see what happens with those guys. I mean, they're young and Oklahoma again finally developing that depth that they've always needed to actually compete nationally. I mean, Oklahoma's been able to just murk the Big 12, beat the Big 12 to death with offense, and now they're finally their defense is catching up to uh, be really more than formidable to really just win the big 12 outright uh, without having to outscore their opponents every single game. And now their defense is starting to be kind of on, on par um, with a lot of other good schools in the country, especially with most schools, especially Nick Saban really giving into the spread saying, you know what, screw it. We can't play this brand of football for forever because we're going to lose recruits to OU. So that's how you see those guys playing the, the power spread, like Ohio state, OU, Alabama, et cetera. Um, just because we talked about the defensive line, does Oklahoma have any legit national All-Americans on this squad? Um, Along the defensive line, I think obviously Nick Benito could be one, and he might be your best candidate, but also Perion Winfrey might work himself into that conversation. What about Big 12? Big 12, yes. I think they're going to dominate the Big 12. So yeah, it's all, the all Big 12 first team, second team. I think Oklahoma's got at least three first team big to, first team all Big 12ers in Jalen Redmond, Perry and Winfrey, and Nick Benito. I think they've got, like you said, two. I think Nick Benito is just going to – he's going to have another good season. He's going to come back stronger and faster, right next to Perry and Winfrey again. And now, you, yeah, you lose uh, Ronnie Perkins, who's excellent. He's probably going to go first round, second round. But you replace him with a Jalen Redmond who is getting he was getting bigger, he's getting healthier. Isaiah Thomas another year, Laurent Stokes another year, Josh Ellison another year. Benito's gonna have an incredibly productive year. And so nationally, 
already he's already on the scene. His name recognition is already there. I think he's already he's going to be a preseason All-American for nationally. Perry Winfrey, I think we'll get some love nationally too. Uh, preseason All-American as well. And if he if he contributes the way he did this year, the, the way he did last year, I don't see how he doesn't break onto the scene as a national American, but I don't know about Redmond getting national recognition, but the big 12, like, yeah, I don't you said, think so. like you said, I agree. I think Oklahoma will dominate in most facets honestly, on offense and defense in the big 12 verse for all Americans. But last thing we go, we we're going to go to before we get off the pod. What is an unacceptable season for this Sooners defense? I suppose. Um, if they let uh, teams average over 30 points a game, um, that's, that's obviously a letdown. Um, I think as long as they, I mean, I don't want to say they're going to be better than they were last season, but should you be. give this defensive line group that's, you know, you're missing Ronnie Perkins, but you're still returning, you know, three of the key pieces there. Mm-hmm. And then you improve the secondary. I think this defense is pretty stout. So I would say, you know, production wise, they have to be a top 20 defense this season. No, I agree. I think they, they should be top 20, top 25 defense. They should be maybe even for- top 15. They should be forcing turnovers. Yeah. They should be forcing turnovers. They should be number one in havoc and uh, in, in havoc rate. Yeah. Quarterback hurries, pressures, etc. They should be getting after the quarterback really, really well. Like they did last year at a higher rate, just because everybody's getting into the system. Uh, just growing in the system and now you're getting more depth and you're getting legitimate depth and you have legitimate linebackers now uh, after a year and you know Caleb Kelly's coming back Shane Witter's already there you've got Brian Asamo who I'm really high on I think he could have a breakout season and Deshaun White you've got a lot of linebackers that can compete at a high level David Aguebu who I just didn't even mention yet and then you got that secondary who again no like Buki's gone cool you have Key Lawrence now like it's not fair Key Lawrence is a strong dude <laughs> if you watch the uh, the Benny Wiley <laughs> like workout incredible. hype videos, dude no, it, looks it, like a linebacker. It's, it's wild. And so I think uh, what's unacceptable for this defense, I suppose, would be for them to give up more than, uh, I would say, if offensive, if offenses score five or more times on them a game, I think that's unacceptable. And that could be, you know, like what, three touchdowns and two field goals. I mean, it's going to put them at 27 points. I think that's unacceptable yeah. for this defense. I think they should be holding teams realistically to 21, 24 points a game over an entire span of a season. And even that, their average, honestly, should be a little bit lower considering how good the defense is and how good the offense is as well. I think that's unacceptable. Is that fair? Or do you think that's too much? Fair. I think that's fair. I mean, if you're going to compete for a national it's, title, that's what you should be doing, right? Right. And this is a, a team we've talked about where the national title window is legitimately open for them yep. to make a, a run to the – to the national championship and win it. I agree. I I, 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 hold, I totally agree. But that's all for me. Do you have anything? I'm good for now. Join Discord. Join the Discord. I don't know why you haven't yet. Hey, yeah, for real. Like why? Like while you're sitting there listening to this podcast, just open your phone. Download it. Download Click it. Click the link. Click the link. And that's it. It's, it's like, if if you want to be in the Discord, where we share information all the time. Honestly, Admittedly, I haven't been on the Discord in a while because I've been so busy with work, yeah. but. But we got other people running it. True. I mean, the, this has been chiming all podcasts. It has. But realistically, it has. Like, I have a lot of notifications. But 
Let's get out of here. Uh, you guys can follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. That's the main account. We're verified now, so pretty special. Uh, you can follow Jack, who's going to be back in a couple weeks, at J. Larry Shields. You can follow me at Kamarabi and CCM. You can follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. We're on iTunes, Spotify, a ton of other apps that you can get to listen to podcasts. If you go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes, we really appreciate it. And we'll check you guys later.